got the music? I'm probably, I can't hear it. All right, welcome in, everybody. This is the Philly Experience Podcast alongside WHIP's Tanner Gilmartin and WIP's Tire Hood. I'm your host, Max Gretzel. It's great to be back with everybody today, coming off an interesting week in the Philadelphia sports world with a football sense of things here as the division heats up. A lot of big-time names going to other which is going to be a struggle for the Eagles, both offensively and defensively. So we'll give you guys an update on that and also our opinions on some of the names that have been, you know, signing with the Giants, the Cowboys, and the Washington football team. After that, we're going to dive right on into the Phillies, try to touch on some of these opening day roster moves that the team will possibly have, whether it be from the bullpen standpoint of things, whether it be from, you know, Scott Kingry, will he be able to man a utility position on his team after his brutal spring training? So, not only a big picture sense of things, but also individual players as well. So, guys, we want to touch on Curtis Samuel first here. This is the guy that I've looked at throughout the offseason. I thought, man, this guy had to come off a great year with the Carolina Panthers. Uh, you know, obviously, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, his season there was great for the Panthers. Obviously, they didn't go to the playoffs, but still, he goes to the Washington, Washington football team, excuse me. And then Brian Fitzpatrick as well goes there, a guy who I think, you know, we all agree that he hasn't had success as a long-term starter, but a short-term starter, possibly only one year there in Washington until they find their long-term guy. Those are two names that when you look at the Washington football team, along with their defense, you have to be, uh, you know, pretty concerned about. So when you heard that, you know, Curtis Samuel and Fitzpatrick are going there to try to man up that offense, because I think we can agree that their defense is solid overall, but then you look at their offensive side of the ball and they have some question marks, you know, is it going to be Heineke? Obviously they lost the Wayne Haskins and got rid of him. So when you heard this news go down about, you know, Washington specifically, what was your you know thought process about how they're, how we're going to be able to compete the Eagles that is with, with them uh, this upcoming season. Um, and, and this is straight up my, my feelings. Um, seriously, what in the f- are the Philadelphia Eagles doing? Like seriously, like what? What do you uh, look? Don't give me the crap about this team doesn't have any money. All right, yes, I understand. Um, at this current point, we are about a little over three million dollars under the salary cap, if I'm not mistaken. So we can spend money. All right, and I've seen, I've seen, you know, us have the ability to do it, especially considering. You know, you can just basically either give a guy a whole bunch of years and backload the contract, or you can just give the guy a whole lot of guaranteed money um, in lieu of a short contract. So it's ways you can sign people. All right. There's no there's no excuse as to why. Um, There's no excuse as to why <laughs> this Philadelphia Eagles team isn't signing players. And it's it's absolutely frustrating. It truly is. It's. It's irritating. It's disappointing. I mean, shoot, you talk about, you know, us possibly losing Curtis Samuel, which is a weapon that we could have used in our offense. I mean, shoot, we could have used a Dory Jackson who just signed with the New York Giants. All right. He was scheduled to meet with the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday and he didn't get nothing. We like he, he automatically signed with the Giants for a three year, thirty nine million dollar contract. And I'm just sitting there going, well, geez, did you guys like did you guys like beg him at least to come to Philly, at least check out the facility? I mean, damn, he never left New York. And like he's already wow, like Logan Ryan took him out to dinner and all this other type of shit. And I'm like, yo, man, come on. Like, seriously, it, it it's frustrating. It, it it's it's frustrating because 
while I understand that this is a rebuilding team, and I understand this might not be the top, um, this might not be the top place to come for free agents, and I under I completely understand that. However, given that, you still have to kick the tires on some of these players. Like you still have to rebuild this contract. And once again, you're you're in a division that absolutely sucks like you can still develop this team and still compete for the division like there's no excuse as to why the washington football team and the new york stinking giants who finished second to last in the nfc east division is signing players ahead of you not to mention the fact that the cowboys don't really even need to sign players but they're still ahead of you you're still at the bottom of the totem pole you're not doing anything to pull yourself out of the hole do something well, T, I'll tell you right now, all those teams you just mentioned are going to be better than the Eagles at, at this point right now, especially. Um, which free agent wants to come to Philadelphia with the situation that, that's happening right now? You have the owner of the team telling you this guy's the quarterback. Then you have other sources saying that they're going to maybe venture out and still draft a, a quarterback at six. We don't know. Who wants to go to a team where they don't know who the quarterback is and they don't know what they're going to do? Who wants to go to a team that doesn't have a, a number one wide receiver? And who wants to go to a team with a, a new coach who just flat out lied to the entire city um, in, in his presser? And they have no idea what's going on in Philadelphia. There's a lot of holes to fill up. And these free agents know so. And then they look at the other teams in the division. They see the Giants making moves, Washington making moves, the Cowboys keeping Dak Prescott and improving even more so. It, it's it's a bad situation that Philadelphia is in, and they're going to pay the price, and that's exactly what they're doing. So in free agency right now, uh, with all these teams making moves, uh, I mentioned that Dak re-signs. That's the highlight for the Cowboys, really, and they're adding a safety. But this is already a team with weapons on offense. Uh, now, if they get their defense figured out, it's it's gonna it's gonna be a scary Cowboys team. Then you have Washington football team. Now, albeit they add Ryan Fitzpatrick, okay, but he's a leader, um, and he's a guy people can learn from. And then they go ahead and get Curtis Samuel to for McLaurin, and then they have. Daniel Jones, they're still figuring out who Daniel Jones is, but I'll tell you what, he's going to get a lot of help with Galladay out there and then the secondary now with the Dory Jackson. And then you look at the Eagles. Okay, uh, they might bring in Joe Flacco. Big deal. It's embarrassing. Joe Flacco. We're talking about Joe Flacco. Um, and Or they might bring back a guy who won the Super Bowl a couple years ago um, because the other guy led them there. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I think from a Washington football sense of things, I look at it as look back at last season with the Dolphins, right? They were successful early on in the season with Ryan Fitzpatrick. They were setting sail, you know, them and the Buffalo Bills um, towards the division title. The Buffalo Bills obviously were able to pull away at the end of the day. But when you have a guy like Devontae Parker early on in that season, he was targeted heavily from Ryan Fitzpatrick. And Fitz, again, when you look at the players around him last year, Parker was heavily targeted. Gasecki got hot later on in the season from the tight end position. But I don't know if he's a guy who wants to spread the ball around evenly. Uh, he might have to do that this year upcoming with the more weapons that he has in Washington and obviously signing Curtis Samuel. But you look at Terry McLaurin, a guy who, you know, arguably is probably better than Devontae Barker, obviously quicker, 100%, and probably a better route runner as well. And that doesn't have that size that Barker has, but he's probably going to be heavily targeted. He's going to be a tough cover for any defense. Curtis Samuel, a guy who is a gadget player, but also can run a little bit out of the backfield, a couple of quick screens, a couple of uh, you know slant passes. He can line up in the slot as well. So he's going to be a problem for all 
defensive coaches to play against as well. So when you have a guy like Fitzpatrick coming in here, if it's only a one-year contract, he knows that there's nobody behind him really to take his position. This isn't going to be, I'm going to play nine games and then two is going to take over for me type of situation. That's why the Washington football team worries me because, you know, they have an already established defense, pretty solid offensive line as well. And then you bring in, again, a leader like Tanner mentioned. So when we sat on the show two weeks ago, we mentioned how the Cowboys were probably in the driver's seat. But the recent moves that the other two teams in our division have made recently, you know, it makes you question, you know, what will this division look like going forward? Who's going to win? Now, let's move on and talk about the Giants here. I know we talked about Adoree Jackson and Kenny Galladay. You know, from Daniel Jones' standpoint of things, he didn't have too much to work with last year. Sterling Shepard missed a good chunk of ch- good chunk of time. Golden Tate, not the same player he was, at least in the Eagle uniform, even before that with the Detroit Lions. So when you add a guy with the skill set Kenny Galladay has, I know he has the injury history, but assuming he stays healthy, he could be a thousand yard receiver, no doubt, um, with the New York Giants. So when you look at the New York Giants and their additions, another thing we haven't mentioned was the Leonard Williams re-signing. They gave him another big contract. So it kind of gives the Giants not only secondary help, you know, keep the interior solid with Williams and then also add a weapon on the outside. How how much more nervous are you now about the Giants that they were able to add Kenny Galladay? Are you skeptical they gave him that guaranteed money with the injury history? Or are you kind of banking on him staying healthy and trying to propel the Giants to a playoff contention? Well, it's the same thing that I said about guaranteed money in the first place. You, when you give a player guaranteed money, that's less money against the cat. So if anything happens to Kenny Galladay, um, they can just release him and it's not much penalty against the cap. Yeah, sure, they have to eat that money in the long run, but at the same time, they don't kill themselves for the foreseeable future in terms of cap room. So they save themselves there. And look, yes, now the Giants are a threat. <laughs> now, like even with Daniel Jones, as Tanner mentioned, still trying to figure out who the hell Daniel Jones is, they're, they're now a threat. Like they are, they're starting to stock up on their team. And I mean, they weren't really that bad of a team, to be honest with you, in a division uh, this past season. As a matter of fact, they beat the Eagles in their last uh, meeting. As a matter of fact, we and the Eagles just beat the Giants in the first meeting. But so it's, I'm frustrated. Like I'm at a loss for words. Like I'm frustrated because the only thing that I can hang my hat on in terms of Philadelphia Eagles, in terms of the team that I love, is the fact that we signed a safety, Anthony Harris, who. In 2019, played very well and was considered one of the top safeties in the NFL. And this past season was one of the worst safeties in the NFL. So it, I really don't have anything to hang my hat on. Not to mention the other issues that we're still fighting with. Not to mention the fact that, once again, as you guys have mentioned, we don't have a number one receiver. We don't really have a stable offensive line. We have a, we have a new coaching staff. All right, the defense is still in shambles. There's no linebackers here. We have one decent corner, and that's really about it that you can really hang your hat on this team. Like Jalen Hurts, as much as I want him to succeed, of course, is still a question mark. Like it, there's nothing really I can really hang my hat on, and they're not doing anything to kind of help themselves even in the slightest, like just being interested and just showing interest in these players is one thing, but being able to get the job done, that's what makes the difference. And look, I'm not saying that the Philadelphia Eagles should build their team through free agency. That's not at all what I said, what I'm trying to say, but they should at least try to help themselves the bare minimum. Just try to help themselves because you're not going to be able to fix everything in the draft. It's just not going to happen, especially with your draft history. Well, listen, this Giants team, it doesn't, take me over them being above the Washington football team yet. 
uh, because they, they still have a few holes to fill. Um, they're still unsure of Daniel Jones, but they do have a lot of skill players on offense. They have, of course, Saquon Barkley, one of the best running backs in the game. And you're adding Galladay to a group with Shepard. Um, you have Slayton there, too. Um, these are guys who can make plays. But the thing with the Giants is that for a case to um, to back up Daniel Jones is that he has inconsistency with the wide receiver position, injuries as well, and he hasn't been able to get that shot. But this gives him this season to really prove it uh, to the Giants organization that he can be a franchise quarterback. Um, and I think if that doesn't work out, the Giants are back in fourth because then they have to look out for another quarterback um, in the draft. That's going to have what one quarterback in, in the 2022 draft, I believe so far. Um, but this goes back to free agency and how much one player, a one player signing can really change a team. If, Juju gets signed a week ago to the Eagles somehow. I wasn't expecting it. I don't even think we were talking about um, the possibility of Juju Smith. We knew he was out there, but we brushed it off. Like, no way. The Eagles offered more money, apparently, and he still wanted to go back to Pittsburgh. The Ravens offered him money, too. Of course, he's not going to go to the Ravens because of the rivalry between those two teams. Uh, He's a respectable player. But um, if we have Juju Smith-Schuster, we look at this draft completely different um, because – it really depends on who you have on the team currently, of course. But um, we would be talking a little more positively about this Eagles team, that's for sure. Well, to counter your point about Juju Smith-Schuster, I mean, it, it also depends on what Juju Smith-Schuster are you getting. Are you getting the Juju Smith-Schuster that, you know, is a playmaker uh, that – it, it, it matters. Magic. He's better than all the other receivers on the team. That, I understand that's what all that. I understand all that. <laughs> you're, you're, you saying getting... which, you're saying which Juju Smith-Schuster. I'm saying Juju Smith-Schuster. That's the guy. There ain't no which one. It's no, just Juju Smith-Schuster. No. Which Juju Smith-Schuster are you getting? Are you getting the Juju that is a playmaker with the ball in his hands? Or are you getting the Juju Smith-Schuster from this past season who looked more you like Nelson You could say Adler. that about any player. You could say that about literally any player. Which, which Darius Slayer are we getting this season, T? One that actually plays every game? game or one that we saw last season where he was out every game with an injury look you provide excellent point i i completely agree with you it's just that you know i i wasn't gonna you know go head over heels for juju smith schuster i just wasn't going to be one of those guys like i'm sorry like it, would he have been the best wide receiver in a badass group yes <laughs> essentially yes <laughs> which is saying something but I wasn't going to, you know, jump over hills and, you know, do a cartwheel live on the air. I'm just not going to do that. It's Juju Smith-Schuster. Well, I think Fair one enough. thing about Juju Smith-Schuster last year was he was basically overshadowed well, I, uh, the word I would use. I mean, Chase Claypool broke out last year. What a, what a great year Chase Claypool had. And then you have Deontay Johnson struggled late in the season with the drop passes. Obviously, everybody knows that, especially in that Buffalo Bills game on Sunday Night Football, a couple of bad drops and you know, basically going into the end of the season there and into the playoffs, Pittsburgh was struggling. So Juju being like the third wide receiver on the team, where two years ago he was like the number one guy, but three years ago and, um, you know, so on and so forth from the past was basically the main guy there, depending on if we, we obviously Antonio Brown still. But going forward now, Juju back in Pittsburgh on a one-year deal took a huge pay cut. It's clear that he didn't really want to come here. So, I, uh, But going forward here for the division, and I want to touch on the last I hear you. I touched on too much is the Dallas Cowboys. So obviously they bring back Dak Prescott. I think with the Cowboys, the biggest thing here for us is to, to worry about is the draft, right? Because they had that 10th overall pick. 
it's basically who's going to fall to them. We have Kyle Pitts, a guy that has been high as six with the Eagles, but if he goes if he goes tenth and he and then Dak has all those weapons to work with, that's that's a problem. I've also seen Patrick Sertan falling to tenth. Where do you guys go with the Cowboys here? If they, do, do, if are you more worried about them getting an offensive piece to add to that attack with Dak Prescott or establishing that defense uh, to have basically more of a balanced attack? Man, their offense is already set. Their offense is already a problem. Their their offense is already a well-oiled machine, and they already have chemistry between everybody. If anything, they may add a, a piece or two to their offensive line to really make it perfect. But other than that, their offense is fine. It's their defense. If they start figuring out what the heck to do on defense, man, now we got a serious situation on our hands. Now we got a powerhouse in the NFC East, which is something that we don't need. And of all teams to be the powerhouse, the damn Dallas Cowboys. That's the last thing I think all of us want, unless you're unless you're Max. But that's just you know that's his personal opinion. But look, <laughs> yes, if the Cowboys get Patrick Sertain and really bolster up their cornerback position, not to mention the fact they have a relentless amount of pass rushes at their disposal, not to mention the linebackers, Jalen Smith and Leighton Van Der Esch. <laughs> we have a serious situation in our hands, gentlemen. All right, we, yeah, man, I, I cringe just thinking about, you know, what what they can do if they really have a solid top 15, not even a top 10, a top 15 defense. Like I, it just, it's going to keep me up now. It's just, that's going to keep me up tonight. Just thinking about that. I'll tell you what, this is a lose lose for the Eagles. And why, why does it have to be like that for the Eagles? Every draft. Um, if the Cowboys get pits, um, this is a tight end who ran a four, four, six in the 40 yard dash. Um, just bringing that up. That, that That's that incredible. incredible. It is. Um, he's such an athletic player. He can, he can do anything on offense really. Um, and he's going to be a nuisance for defense, any defense really up against him. But if we see him go to the Cowboys now, I don't think that's the way they should go. Uh, T, you're mentioning defense, and that's really – they need to get their defense locked down, and they're they're a playoff team automatically. Um, but, yeah, it's either Patrick Sertain goes to the Cowboys, Kyle Pitts. It's really up to the Eagles because the Eagles are likely to mess up, and then that trickles down, gives a bunch of other teams that shouldn't get these players these players. And it's it's really I want Howie Roseman to really think about this draft. I don't want him to go in saying, well, now this is a guy we should draft, but that's what everyone wants. Now, I I think this guy's more low key of a skill and drafts a guy who should have got drafted in the third round. Now, I'm I'm ready for it and I can't wait for our live reaction. But I really want Howie Roseman to draft Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith at this point. Um, I think wide receiver right now over cornerback and especially over quarterback. Um, That's me right now. But uh, um, Max, I'll let you go to your point, but I want to ask a quick question after you're done with yours. Yeah, of course. I think with the Eagles sort of things, and obviously touch on the Cowboys, their defense needs improvement and their offense could get bolstered with a, with a guy like Kyle Pitts that you guys mentioned. So from the Eagles standpoint, signing, you know, Anthony Harris at least is maybe some insurance with Rodney McLeod coming back with an injury. I mean, it's an established guy. He's had success in the NFL. But from what we heard again this past week, another press conference that was downhill from the start with Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman. With, uh, and, and again, another thing to point out, Carson Wentz, his introductory press conference with the Colts ran right over top of it. So uh, maybe some strategy play there from the Philadelphia Eagles not wanting the, the reporters to get into the Colts 
press conference, but that's a whole other story for another day. And I think one thing you have to look at is Nick Sirianni talks about his systems. He talks about how he's up late at night watching all this film and trying to implement the right guys for his system. He didn't have to mention the wing T formation. That was just too much. He went too far with that. Then he starts bringing up high school football and things like that. I mean, he sounds like a nice guy, but for me, none of us have ever been in an NFL locker room. We can just go based on what we heard and guys who have been in the NFL locker room say that style is not going to work with grown men who go out there, you know, play 16 games NFL football every single week. So we'll see how that, you know, transpires. I think, it's going to be funny because a lot of people say, let's wait for the season to start. We'll see how he looks in game action. I think this is all going to boil down to how training camp goes. You know, we'll be able to tell a lot in training camp, how his systems go, you know, how guys react to him. And I think one thing you have to look at is as the training camp goes on through the dog days of summer and as it gets hot and people are on the field, what kind of coach is he going to be? Is he going to be a player's coach? Is he going to be, you know, a rough and tough, keep the pads on where we're hitting today and things like that. And we'll see how players react. A lot of things come out in the media. Just look in previous seasons with Alshon Jeffrey and Josie Anderson report, like little things like that sneak out into the media. So we'll see if something like that, reports like that come out in training camp. And again, if they're all bad, you're going into the season with a lot of drama on your hands. And it could be another down year for the Eagles. If not, and, and their players are trying to keep an open mind about Sirianni and you know play hard for him in his first season as a head coach in the NFL, it could go either way. And that's like, that's what I think is the the – the worrisome here is is the fact that it could go either way. And if it goes but wrong, it can go really wrong. And the Eagles could be looking at another high pick next year. But Tanner, let's get back to your question for, for the group here. I'm assuming an Eagles related topic. Yeah, it's it's going more into the draft. And before I get into it, I just want to comment and ask you guys if you saw the the Pat McAfee show with Carson Wentz. Um, this week and how comfortable Carson Wentz just looked chilling out, talking about his time in Philadelphia. I mean, we haven't seen anything like this when he was in Philly. Um, it, it really seemed like he was just going to the stadium and then going home after that real down to business, but he was letting loose. He was talking, uh, he was laughing, have a good time. This is a, a new Carson Wentz and a guy who just immediately starts working out as soon as he gets in Indianapolis, he's down to where he's got a chip on his shoulder. There's no time to rest for Carson, but he mentions last season, how he had to take time away from football to go hunting and stuff. He wasn't in the right mindset, but other than that, we can talk about that on a completely different day. Cause I'm sure it's going to be brought up many, many times, but back to this draft, Devontae Smith, he didn't participate in his pro day. I believe it was on Monday. And he said that there was enough film on him um, and he didn't want to participate um, for that reason. Does this worry you guys or is he just playing it safe? I'm not going to say it worries me. No, it, it doesn't worry me because Devontae Smith is pretty much he's he's a top 10 pick locked in. I mean, some would even argue top five pick. OK, so his position is pretty much locked in. He, he can pretty much do what he wants. And it, this is not the first time this has happened with athletes that skipped out on their pro day. Now, traditionally, they've at least participated in the NFL draft combine. But this is the one of the first few times possibly ever that there's been no NFL combine and that the, the only way that you can really look at the players, I guess, from a physical standpoint of view without pads is going to their pro days. Now, my thing is this, and you guys know me. I'm a film guy. I don't care what you do. Um, I don't care how much you bench press. 
I don't care what your vertical jump is. I don't care what your 40 time is. I don't care how you do all these things outside of those extra 20 pounds of equipment that's on you and you're in the middle of a game. All right. I want to see your in-game mechanics. I want to see how you think. I want to see why you did what you did in that situation. And that's why I'm always going to value game tape over um, these pro days and these combines and things of that nature when they're catching footballs for the most part from guys who they haven't worked with that entire year. So in a way, I kind of agree with Devontae Smith. And Devontae Smith, is, like I said before, is one of those players where he can afford to not participate in this pro day. His position is pretty much locked in. I mean, shoot, it was him and Jalen Waddle this uh, this past season in Alabama. All right? That, that, was, a, that was a dynamic offense that they had i have i do not blame him from skipping his pro day he gains nothing from participating in a pro day and he loses nothing from not participating in a pro day so no i don't have a problem with him doing it but he's say he's a type of player that can get away with not with not participating in his pro day not all players can do that yeah tanner i think one thing you have to look at is the fact that people keep coming out in the media and say he's undersized he's small Maybe one of the things or one of the reasons why he didn't want to compete is because a lot of that would have been shown maybe up close and personal with the cameras without pads on and things like that. So it might be in his best interest not to. The thing that I want to say is he was falling down draft boards to begin with before all this even happened. I mean, people were saying Chase is going to go three to four to five. Smith, he hasn't his stock hasn't been as high since the end of the season when he went crazy in that title game in the first half since that day. And when all these Mel Kuyper mock drafts come out and things like that over the past couple months, they've all had Jamar Chase for the most part over Devontae Smith. So he's been, you know, I've seen him as low as like 15 in some of these mock drafts. So my thinking is people are picking Jamar Chase and most GMs would over Devontae Smith. Now for me, this goes back to your point, Tanner, about Harry Roseman. He's going to look too into it. Uh, He wants, you know, the under the radar kind of pick. I'm not saying Jamar Chase is the under the radar pick, but when you watch football and you watch college football, you watch Alabama, you know who the best player on the field is immediately. It doesn't take a wizard to find out. It's Devontae Smith, and it's hands down. Him and Najee Harris with the running back in it, there in the backfield are two of the best players in the country. That's what concerns me because I feel like I haven't seen Jamar Chase play football in over a year. I'm sure he's still great. He, he didn't forget how to play football overnight. But from you know what I've seen recently, how great and dominant Alabama was, Devontae Smith, every game I felt like he was getting 200 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, it was absolutely incredible. So from my standpoint – not regard to the pro day, but, you know, from the upcoming draft, Devontae Smith's probably going to go behind Jamar Chase. And I don't necessarily agree with that just based on what I've seen in the last few months. I I know that he's undersized. And again, all these scouts talk about the t- intangibles and, and, and attributes. All these players have size, you know, all the way down to like hand size and things like that. But I think Jamar Chase is a superstar talent, but I don't think he's better than Devontae Smith. I'll tell you that. I think Devontae Smith's the better player. Yeah, I just want to add that he said that he was 170 um, and wait. And I think, I mean, I'm hoping, Max, you kind of hinted at it um, earlier when you were talking. Maybe he's using this time to bulk up and um, he he sort of wants to surprise people. And now that's just, I'm just hoping that he's in the lab uh, working out more because that he that's one of the concerns for him. And I'm sure Howie Roseman is looking at it as well. Howie's probably also looking at his finger injury that he suffered in the second half of the, the title game. But um, this is a guy who played with Jalen Hurts for two seasons. Um, Jalen Hurts was a starter when he was a freshman, when um, Smith was a freshman. 
and they still keep in touch. Um, this would be great for chemistry, a, a thing that this Eagles team really needs, especially with the new quarterback, not a new quarterback, but a, a new starting quarterback really to start the season off. And that will be great. I think that they'll really click in that aspect of it too. And it's a guy, they know each other's movements. They, they know each, how each other works. Jalen Hurts is working out. Um, he, he's, he's doing his part. And now it's up to Howie Roseman to really put the pieces together. Yeah, yeah, it is up to Howie Roseman, honestly, to put the pieces together. Um, and you speak a lot about chemistry, and it's one of the things that gets overlooked time and time again. And I completely agree with you. It's chemistry. Like, as much as I want Kyle Pitts, like, it, man, it's a beast. Like, just put on Kyle Pitts' film. And it, I've never seen nobody with that much size. And then he ran a four four six. I never seen a guy with that much size be able to get open consistently against not just you know slot corners and linebackers, but outside corners as well. But Devontae Smith being on his team would be an instant playmaker. Like it, the speed on the outside, there wouldn't there wouldn't be many corners that be able to keep up with that speed. Uh, it would almost be like having a healthy Deshaun Jackson back again. All right, it'll, yep. be, it'll be like the 2010s when we had Deshaun, Jeremy Macklin, and Michael Vick and how explosive that offense was, Shady McCoy. We all remember, you know, how explosive that offense is and how we can pretty much score 30-plus points, you know, just by walking on the field with just those playmakers. So, you know, you would kind of be able to – I'm not saying 100% recreate that, but you would be – it would be in the works of recreating that again bringing Devontae Smith here, bringing that explosive offense, it would also tell me, you know, what kind of an offense they're looking to create. Are they looking to create a dink and duck offense who's just going to take what the defense is giving them? Or are they going to create plays with their playmakers and try to create those explosive plays? All right, so this this six overall pick is going to be very important in telling exactly what we're going to do as, as long as, you know, as long as Coach Sirianni doesn't come out with that wing T formation, we, we're I'm perfectly fine with it. I think to wrap this up, a big uh, if, and there's a lot of them with this team, is if Devontae Smith is taken by the Eagles, the big if is going to be can Jalen Rager take a step forward this year? Because if he does, then you have two legit weapons on the outside, a solid tight end and Goddard, depending on if Zach Ertz gets traded. And, you know, if the offensive line can stay healthy, you have a good running back in Miles Sanders. The offense might not be half bad. So I think two completely different skill sets with Chase and Smith. But Smith, last year's first of all, he's playing in the SEC. He's playing all the best defenses. Um, in college football, then he plays Ohio State, you know, later on in the season, the college football playoff, things like that, and in the championship, and literally just blows by every single corner and safety, like the safety and the corner both. So my thing is, when in doubt, Devontae Smith, you can't really miss. And if you do miss on the pick, you say, well, I took a superstar wide receiver from Alabama, the, the best college program in the country. So even if it doesn't work out, at least you can hang your hat on that at the end of the day. So from one Philadelphia team, to another guys Philadelphia Philly spring training is you know well into it well underway coming towards the end of it actually you know nine days away from the start of the season crap ass Vargas yeah we don't have to worry about him anymore but we do (laughs) have to worry about some of these other pitchers um you know coming in this season and the spring training for Chase Anderson Matt Moore the new guys have been relatively productive uh overall pretty solid for the most part, Zach Eflin dealing with a little bit of a back issue, but I'm hoping uh, he's expected to, I should say, start the third game of the season in the words of Joe Girardi. But when you look at this overall team and offensively, again, JT trying to fight back and get a couple games of spring training under his belt before this season 
kicks underway. Um, I just want to give give you guys the floor and talk about the bullpen here specifically first, because I want to go into, uh, you know, possible opening day roster and touch on names, give you guys some questions about who you think should be on it, who you guys should be off of it. So if you guys want to just give it, give me, give me a little quick uh, overall outlook of the fills this year, at least of what you've seen recently in spring training. And then I'll ask you guys some questions about some individual players that you think should be here or should not. Well, you know, uh, you touched on him a little bit um, in your introduction that, you know, Jojo Romero, you know, he's one of the guys that you're trying to push to the roster. Also, we discussed before we even started, you know, Archie Bradley is one of those is basically going to be the closer. All right. He, he's actually done pretty, pretty well in in spring training. So he's pretty much locked into that closer spot. So finally, we have a we have a legit starter. I mean, not started a legit closer. All right, we don't have yep. to we don't have to fumble through the rotation trying to find a starter and throwing a guy who I've been trying to get trying to understand why the Phillies continue to employ him in the first dog on place in Hector Neres and he's probably gonna make the roster too. I don't know why. There's no damn point, but that's neither here nor there. We're not talking about that right now. But you know, it am I am I still concerned about, you know, the bullpen? Yes, because it's one thing to do. It's one thing to perform in spring training, and there's another thing when the lights are finally on you and, you know, it's time to perform and it's time to rack up these wins so that you can start playing some postseason baseball in October. So I'm still a little concerned about, you know, the rotation. Yes, they've added they've added some pieces, and they're trying to push some pieces. Um, Vince Velasquez still – I'm still iffy on him. Like, I know he – he got a decent ERA right now at 2.45, but I mean, that's still, eh, that's not doing anything for me. Zach Wheeler has been a disappointment and I with a 4.05 ERA. That's not going to really get it done. I'm still a little concerned about this pitching rotation. Just, just a little bit. Um, there's a reason why, you know, Vegas has the Phillies winning, you know, at 80 and a half games. All right. Because this bullpen is still a question mark. Once again, the concern is is not going to be whether or not the Phillies can put up runs. Once again, for the third time that we're saying this, it's going to be about the bullpen and the pitching. Yeah, T, I think you hit it on the head when you mentioned this pitching rotation. Um, that really people I'm only for sure about is Nola and Wheeler. Um, the other three have yet to really prove it. And that, that that's exactly what they're going to do. They're going to get their chance to do so, but this team needed to improve the bullpen, the bullpen, and they did so, but I think they could have done a few more, uh, a few more, um, things to, uh, to really, uh, bulk up, um, this team pitching wise. I mean, you bring back guys, um, you bring back really everyone, um, and, like DD, um, JT, Real Muto, which was huge. Mm-hmm. But what's really going to set this team aside from um, last year is, of course, the pitching. Now, I believe the Phillies are ranked fourth now in the division to finish fourth in the division. Um, and I like that. I like that because low expectations. You go in with low expectations. You, you got you, You're not expecting a lot. And that's something that the Phillies were expecting a lot more so. Um, the last two seasons and, and they didn't go ahead. And I think this team can win 85 games. Um, but again, it, it really bulks down to the closer and, and the bullpen that you're going to be able to look at when you have opportunities to close a game. The Phillies are one of the most high scoring baseball teams in the league. Um, they bat runs in, but it's about keeping that lead that really 
affects the Phillies. And I think that's something that can separate them from the other teams in the division that have added a lot of players. And um, real quick, um, one player in particular that, you know, I'm looking at their stats has been pretty impressive, actually. Uh, Matt Joyce with a three point with a point three eight one batting average, which I think is very impressive, especially considering that, you know, we are still looking for a center fielder. Uh, Mickey Moniak, I think, is the guy that they're really trying to push and, you know, have him be the center fielder as well, along with Adubel Herrera. But, you know, it, so there's some, once again, there's some players in the outfield that we have and, you know, hitting is never going to be the concern. It's all, it's always going to be about that pitching and that bullpen. Are we going to be able to hold the other team down from scoring? Yeah, you guys both, both make great points. I think Andrew Knapp, capable guy. I think one of the, after Tanner started harping on him two years ago about how terrible he was, he kicked it into gear. So he's a legit backup. Uh, play, he, a good thing about him is he's played a lot of games, obviously, with Real Mucho out. So Real Mucho needs some time to get back into the swing of things, maybe a few days off early on this season. He should be able to fill in for Real Mucho relatively you know, easily in a seamless transition there, uh, bat lower in the lineup and, and just play you know, good defense from a catcher standpoint. Hopefully JT can get back there healthy. I think Reese is plugged in as first base, Segura second, Dick Gregorius shortstop, and then you have Boehm at third base, who I think we're all high on this year and Obviously, one of the top rookies last season, even though he probably got robbed of the rookie of the year. But uh, that's a discussion for another day. And then you look at the outfield. Bryce Harper, of course, in right field. And Andrew McCutcheon, as long as he, his knee can hold up, apparently he's ready to go 100%. He's had a good spring, played a lot of games. He's played a lot of outfield recently out in left field. So hopefully his knee will be able to hold up for a full season. And then obviously, T mentioned that the center fielder position is wide open right now. I think with Hazley going down to injury early in spring and Moniak, still relatively trying to find his way uh, from a major league level sense of things, it probably will end up being Odubo Herrera or Roman Quinn, some sort of combination of the two of those. So we'll see. I think Roman Quinn and Odubo Herrera right now are probably the front runners for the position. I think Herrera might have a slight edge just based on how he's played. Again, that remains to be seen if the fans will be able to, you know, root for him, I I guess. And it's going to take time for everybody, but, uh, this is a guy that's played well this spring. Uh, teammates have, have been forgiving him on different levels. Obviously, some have, you know, got it over relatively quickly and just trying to focus on baseball. Others, you know, uh, more long-term and it's going to take more time. But when you look at trying to win baseball games, Herrera is probably the, the best fit for center field right now as we speak. But when you look at this bullpen, there's a few names here, guys, that uh, at least from my sense of things have, basically a few lock-ins and, and you can lock in Archie Bradley and Jose Alvarado, who's had a great spring. This is a guy that throws a hundred mile an hour fastball and he has a wipeout slider. Two of the big things you need um, later on in ball games. And when you got a lefty, uh, that's the key of being left-handed and being able to throw hundred miles an hour, super impressive. And you have Joe Romero, he mentioned it, Connor Brogdon, who, if you guys remember, came in his first pitch in the major leagues, went like 350 feet out to left field at Citizens Bank Park. But since then, apparently this offseason, he's worked uh, a lot better with his changeup and his fastball. He's a guy that can throw 95-plus. And uh, he's looking to make the opening day roster. A couple of late signings in the spring, Brayden Kinsler and Tony Watson, um, veteran guys that have had success at the major league level. So when you look at bullpen specifically, there's going to be have to be some outs. We all know that. Sam Coonrod, a guy that we got a little wild. Uh, we got him from the Giants. He's wild, but he can throw hard. You know, 98-mile-an-hour fastball. So... There's going to be some guys here. David Hale, I know you guys remember, came in from that trade of Brandon Workman last year. Um, Brandon Workman obviously came from the Red Sox. Hale came from the Yankees. But 
try to make shift that bullpen from that contact didn't work. So there's going to have to be a few names here on the outs. Another guy who I haven't mentioned, Vince Velasquez. So is there a name or two here that you guys think are on the outside looking in when it comes to making this opening day roster? I know it could come down to left-handed versus right-handed. We know Tony Watson's a lefty. We know Brian Kinsler's a righty. Uh, it could come down to, do you want a power arm like uh, like a JoJo Romero? Or do you want, you know, kind of like a skill set, get you out with a high ground ball rate like uh, Tony Watson or something like that? Do you think it's going to come down to will Joe Girardi basically value a certain attribute that these guys have? Or is it just going to come down to who's going to get, you know, the most out at the end of the day? I think I think it's a combination of both because of the simple fact that, you know, you I remember the year I believe it was I, I believe it was uh, the year before Girardi came in. Um, we had, you know, a bunch of righties, you know, in the, in the rotation and it was hard, you know, to get an out, you know, against the, against the lefty. So it was, it was, it was really weird. So it's definitely a combination of both because you definitely want to keep a combination of, um, righties and lefties in your rotation to be able to keep, you know, keep the other team on their edge. And and real quick, um, some, somebody help me here. Um, with something. Um, why is Andrew Knapp still on the damn roster? Like somebody, can somebody answer me that for me? Hey. Why is Andrew Knapp still on the goddamn roster? You're not gonna, <laughs> you're not gonna hear me defending him. So <laughs> continue, T. Like what? For what? So, like him and Hector Neris. Can you please find? I know. Listen, you can grab any one of us three, and we can do the same thing Andrew Knapp does. All right, let's be honest here. I can hit better than Andrew Knapp. I can play better than it, Andrew. It's been Knapp. a while. It's been a while since I was in the um. The, the dugout or, or hitting any pitches T. let's be fair here. Yeah, I think it's been a while for all of us, but I think if we were to get the swing of things again, I think we could still be able to outperform Andrew damn nap. I'm just saying like, this is absolutely ridiculous. Why is he still in the damn roster? All right. Can you please find another damn catcher besides Andrew nap? All right, please. I don't want to see Andrew nap in, in, I don't want to see Andrew Nett back here in Philadelphia. I don't. I don't. Like, if he if he somehow, some way, makes the roster, like, I kid you not, I'm, I'm flipping a lid. Like, this well, is ridiculous. T, you're going to be flipping a lid because he's going to make the opening <laughs> like, day roster as stupid. a backup catcher. I'm sorry to tell you, but he will. It's stupid. That's all I'm going to say. That's he's not stupid. having the best spring training. But, again, see, come on. This is this is like a this is a backup catcher we're talking about here. He's not going to be playing every day. I'm not expecting you to play every day, but, damn it, at, at a .185, I expect you to play better than that i mean damn geez just that's fair it's stupid that's fair he's not having a good spring training i get it <sighs> it's just it's it's ridiculous man just come on man it's an outrage go ahead tanner i'm done <laughs> i i can't disagree with you at all t um with uh andrew Knapp perspective you know how i feel about him but there's eight, i believe what eight spots left for this bullpen um you have guys like kinsler yep um watson and who's the other guy Rondon is that is that his yeah, last Rodon. name? Rodon, yeah. yep, Rodon, you got it. Rodon. So these guys, I believe they're on a contract where they can they, they can hop onto a different team. Yeah, by Wednesday. I believe that's Wednesday. how it works. Um, so these are the three guys that are really fighting for the for this spot, and um, those are the guys that are going to have to show a lot. And that, well, I mean, time's really ticking for them, but they they have today um, to really prove themselves. But I mean, you got to be happy with the improvements, um, especially from Dombrowski's um, perspective. Of this is a championship or bust team. Um, that's exactly the kind of team that a Philadelphia that the city of Philadelphia needs and wants. Um, but I think 
again, the improvements in the bullpen are really going to show out for this team. But uh, Max, you mentioned Vince Velasquez, and he's sort of an inconsistent um, thought at this point. Now he he's going to make the bullpen, um, but really he starts out some seasons. He's a he's a starter. Um, <laughs> a couple games he's out there in left field. Um, I understand you can use this, you can use this guy in a few other positions, but I think that's a guy who, if the Phillies are better, it's a guy that they won't need on the team. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you hundred percent. I think to, to wrap up your point about the outfield, Matt Joyce, is going to be here as a fourth outfielder. We'll see yeah. with Adam Hazley coming back from the injury, but Joyce is a good veteran signing. And I think one thing you look at is the guys who have shown out this spring you know, Mickey Moniak as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it's going to look out. There's a bunch of guys in the outfit. I think there's, uh, you know, too many, but that's never a bad problem. So we'll see who's able to make the roster and who's not. Especially considering I'm just looking that, forward to get to – would you just go ahead? Uh, especially considering that Moniak at first, you know, everybody considered him a bust and, you know, everybody mm-hmm. thought yeah. that he was, he was, you know, dead in the water. But it's nice to see that he's, you know, trying to come back and trying to perform and trying to prove people wrong. Well, two more episodes, guys, and uh, we'll we'll be you know full full swing into the MLB season. So I know we're all excited about it, and uh, of course, NFL draft coming up uh, about a month from now. So we'll, again, we'll be keeping you guys you know through it all. Again, if you're not following us on on Instagram, make sure you do that at the Philly Experience Podcast on Instagram and at the Philly XP One on Twitter. With that, I hear you. Let's shut it down. All right, you guys missed any of this episode? You can always go to Philly Experience. That's simplecast.com. We are available. On all major downloadable platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You can catch previews of the episodes on YouTube and our Instagram at the Philly Experience Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at the Philly EXP1 and like us on Facebook at the Philly Experience. And like we've been teasing, we're about a month from it now. So we will be doing a live reaction NFL draft show. Live, people. Live. Um, I know I <laughs> I know you guys get excited when I go off. So I'm expecting <laughs> to go off that night. So you might not want to miss it. All right. I'm just saying. Oh man, that's irritating. This is some bullshit. <laughs> Woo! Cause that guy doesn't yeah. know what the hell he's doing. Do we know it's hard? Bunch of low lifes. Are you piece of Swiss cheese?